When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. William Shatner performs with the National Symphony Orchestra as part of Ben Fold's Declassified series at the Kennedy Center on Friday, April 29th. I spoke to Shatner and Folds about their out-of-this-world concert inspired by Shatner's recent trip into outer space on Blue Origin. Hey, William Shatner and Ben Folds, thanks so much for joining us again on WTOP. Well, you know, Ben and I have known each other a long time, a long time. And we had some, we've had some wonderful experiences together. For me, and, I, uh, and we'll uh, ask him what his feeling was, one of the great, great uh, theatrical performing moments of my life was making an album with him. We called it uh, Has Been, and it was very successful. And it was very successful because this m- magnificent m- uh, magician, musician, uh just brought his his musical imagination to everything and 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 here's something that i remember vividly we did it in nashville and he was living in nashville at the time and and uh and making albums and records and going on tour of course uh from nashville and he said to me you know nashville like hollywood has at its beck and call all these musicians. They all live around Nashville. So if you need a drummer that with a special, I got I'll call Paul. Hey Paul, come on down. And Paul comes down and does his drums. And then somebody with a world famous guitarist is uh, three blocks away, and he comes. And, and that's what he was doing. That's that, 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 that's what Ben was doing. He was calling these people up, these virtuoso uh, musicians to come and help us with this album. And people would appear to be an hour, and they'd do a lick and then they'd go. And he fashioned an album called Has Been, which is uh, a lot of people like very much. And uh, it I had love- uh, com- Common People was on that one, right? That's right, exactly. Yeah. And that was his idea. He said, "You because we were writing the songs. And he said, well, that's there's a song that I like. It's Common People. Yeah, I don't know it. And we did it. And he brought in Joe. Um, Joe Jackson. Uh, Joe Jackson. He brought in Joe Jackson to do the, the vocals. And then I did the vocals as I do them. And the two of us together, it was magic. But it took forever to do because Joe Jackson warms up. It takes about six hours. <laughs> he does. <laughs> yeah. We're talking the Joe Jackson. Oh, yeah. Wow. Wow. That's a combo right there. Well, yeah, I mean, you both uh, you both have been joined us. I think actually you've this is like your third time for each of you on WTOP. So you're you're the three timers each. But talk about this exact uh, concert that's going to be at Kennedy Center. It's been it's part of your declassified thing on on April 29th. But of all the declassifieds you've done, I mean, having Mr. William Shatner has got to be at the top, man. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, this is this is really special. It's doing, man. It's doing what music is supposed to do. 
uh, to me, it's like, I mean, if you think about um, music at the end of the day uh, for, you know, more tribal versions of ourselves way back thousands and thousands of years ago, or even, even now, like at the end of the day, you debrief, you dance and sing about things, and that puts it into your system. This is one of those times where instead of it being around a campfire with a guitar or a couple of drums, what we've got is the National Symphony Orchestra, an incredible group of, uh, of orchestrators and William Shatner all here to just kind of talk and feel ourselves around, uh, uh, around what's happening to our planet. And it's, it's very useful. It's, it's not hippy dippy. This is important stuff. And, um, you know, we leave it out on the stage too. Uh, Bill's written lyrics. He's, he's co-written lyrics with, uh, with, with, a, with a poet friend of his. And, uh, you know, the, I've got my favorite orchestrators putting together something that only happens once on stage. You don't even want to know what it costs to put on something like this. <laughs> and it's doable because it's the Kennedy Center whose job is to lead the nation and the country in, in this kind of programming. So, uh, yeah, look, I could go on, go on and on about it, but it's something you'll see once. This, this kind of thing never happens, and it's uh, it really, I, it, I'm, I'm, I think you're, you're messing up if you live in the D.C. area and you don't get yourself out to this. This is a special moment. Oh, once you know, in a lifetime interesting, thing. Interestingly enough, um, I presumed when I said yes that it was a television show and they would televise it. They're not. They're not televising it. They're not really recording it. They're putting it away for their archives. So I have, I have decided that I will make a television. I'm asking them to make a television, paying for a television show mm. and a recording, so this won't be lost. And and that and I haven't talked to Ben about that because I, uh, I mean, I've talked to the people at the National Symphony Orchestra, but but Ben and I have have finalized any talks which I want to do about what to do with this recording of visual and audible recording uh, of this material. I, I just, uh, it's too important to let go. Are we thinking I, like a PBS or what are we thinking? Well, we might. It's exactly the letters that I thought would work, but uh, it, it depends what we have when we're left and what permissions we have in, in order to be able to, uh, to promulgate it. Uh, but it won't be lost and put in dusty bins. It'll be out there. Uh, on a more commercial basis, my hope is. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, and hopefully, yes, so that everyone can can watch it and stream it. But in the meantime, you got to get out to the Kennedy Center. You got to see this live and in person because it's a once in a lifetime thing. Like both. That's exactly out. right. You know, uh, people have asked me a great deal about uh, this journey I took into space and the, mm -hmm. the emotions it it caused in me, and and it's impossible. It's very difficult, if not impossible, to sum up the complexity of what I felt uh, when I landed. and But I had time with Robert Cherno, uh, this wonderful poet, uh, lyricist, and I worked out what it was I did and felt, and we've put it to music. It's called So Fragile, So Blue, and it's the key song. It's the monumental song among the six that I'll be doing that defines what you and I are talking about in space. So there is this wondrous orchestra, this National Symphony Orchestra, with these wonderfully talented people who've written orchestrations 
to make this music happen. And Ben brought us together and, and it's going to be a, a, a happening. Um, I, I have written and I've asked uh, Robert Cherno to look over the remarks that I, I wrote, but my opening sentence, I think, will be, music is everywhere. That's the opening sentence of my performance. And then go, into, go out to, to illustrate how music is everywhere. These weird instruments in the 70, 70 instruments, they're weird. Where bassoons are weird, man. I mean, sure. you know, they are. Uh, string instruments you can understand, but then there are there are brass that who made that brass? <laughs> that in itself is a wonderful musical journey. Where did these instruments come from? Who makes music like that? Exactly. You know, it's even more, even uh, to to extend that miracle, the fact that it has evolved. Uh, that the symphony orchestra can come together like that. Even just the protocol, getting them all in the room. Imagine organizing 90 people in a rock band to bring them into a garage <laughs> to play. And I always liken the symphony orchestra to the greatest symbol of civilization because it has evolved alongside civilization and it does what civilization is supposed to do, which it organizes, it organizes people to be something greater than, than all of the parts. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, and, 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 and the symphony orchestra's survival as a symbol is very important alongside the survival of, of civilization. And if you imagine just the miracle of life on earth, imagine the improbability of that life being civilized. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's, it's astronomical. You just can't even it's imagine. Civilized and then add a layer of music to that. Civilized and then musical. You whistle, yeah. you sing, you know, you, the, you tom-tom, you walk, yeah. I mean, dance, and all of a sudden, music is a part of your world, and it's part of every animal's world. Every, right. every living thing makes some kind of sound yeah. that if you, if, you, if you were able to hear it and amplify it, you could bring rhythm and melody to it because all life, is making music. Wow. You really do need to talk to Dr. Uh, Roger Payne sometime. You two have so much to talk about because he discovered whale songs and he also discovered that they have form uh, and they have style and they evolve. The form is very similar to sonata form uh, in, uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a symphony or, or in, a, in a piece of music. Uh, and it's... Um, it evolves over time and each ocean has their own style and song. And we don't even know what they're talking about or who they're talking to, but it has so, it has so much form and intention that you have to figure that something really important is going on. They've been here a lot longer than we have. Ben. Yes, sir. The coincidence of you talking about the guy who did yeah. Sounds of Wales. I was, um, I was entertaining in uh, Orlando this weekend, and um, they asked me about this uh, film of Star Trek that had whales in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I heard this album all those years ago of whale sounds, and I was playing around with D.H. Lawrence's poem about whales called Whales Weep Not, and I put the sounds of those whales as music 
for the lyrics of Wales Weep Not, and I was asked to perform it at the Hollywood Bowl in front of 18,000 people, and I had never done it in front of anybody, all, all, all just in my living room. So now I'm in front of 18,000 people, and the sounds of whales start, and everybody whirls around, what is that? And I begin, and it was very successful. I used his sounds, and you just finished talking to this wonderful man who recorded all those sounds. He's amazing, yeah. Um, Emma's family are really close with them, so uh, I've known him for a little while. He's he's an impressive fellow. Is he, he is he a naturalist? Is he a scientist? What is he? Well, he's a micro. He's a marine biologist. Ah. Uh, and um, I mean, he's made all kinds of crazy discoveries, like the brains of moths, how they work in relation. The brains, to the, the brains of what? Moths. The bug moth. The bug moth. Yeah. You would love this guy. He, he like check this out. Here's what he discovered when he was like 23 years old. There are just like six cells in a moth's brain, and three of them are are used to understand the sound around the wings, because they have wings flapping in their ears, and it, and you can't hear anything with that going on. So it strobes. Wow, crazy stuff. This, this guy weekend, is- this weekend, I learned that moths, butterflies, uh, I I believe they're related are listening to the sounds of bats in their echolocation. <laughs> what? Okay? Seriously? They're eating the moths. They're flying, echolocating the, the moths. And the moths are repeating those sounds and evading the the click by repeating their click. Really? Eight cells. I mean, God is unbelievable. It really is. I mean, the more you know about how, how things work, it just opens up so much more stuff uh and then just to finish that story up i ended up in vancouver and the sound went out and they had misadvertised the this uh, concert which was like uh john williams concert. so they had misadvertised that a lot of bike guys with leather jackets and motorcycles came to the concert and the sound went out so there was no sounds of the deep so i was facing this raucous audience with they say the they say the sea is cold and the guys are saying, get off the stage. They're yelling, get off the stage. It's one of the most disastrous moments of my theatrical life because the sound went out in Vancouver. <laughs> are you yeah, sure? Was it the moths or the bats maybe that caused been, it? It might have been the moth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of my favorite stories of yours of uh, of things gone wrong stage, I hope you remember this. I, 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 I think I heard you tell it once, is... Um, needing to grab a knife and there only being something like a spoon or something. Was this Shakespeare? No, no a, a, um, a twist, a, um, a corkscrew. <laughs> you had to screw them. So I screwed them to death. <laughs> that is the best. I love that. That's awesome. That's, awesome. That's a good memory. <laughs> and you know what Bill was saying about music is everywhere. It's another, it's, it's another way that William Shatner is brilliant and we need him because Music is everywhere is, is literally true in the brain. Uh, speech takes up two, sp- two places that are about the size of two little walnuts. Uh, one is called the Broca's area, which m- means you can form words. It's tiny. But what happens when you play music into a brain and you, and you, uh, and you put the electrodes on, the entire brain lights up. Like a Christmas tree, a scientist friend of mine says, 
the brain lights up like a Christmas tree because sound and music are planted all over the brain. And we understand that better than anything. Wow. Wow. That's so, that's beautiful. That That's a, that's a concert right there. I, I, <laughs> uh, ben just uh, used his musical imagination. All He is a forerunner in all this. And this declassified series that is at Kennedy Center, which just to repeat, we're going to be there uh, on Friday, April 29th at nine o'clock at Kennedy Center. You should come down to the theater because it's not being broadcast. It's it's performed for the audience only, and it's going to be a happening. So come on down. But Ben Folds and his musical imagination from when he was a child, uh, virtuoso, virtuoso, uh, is a most remarkable human being and American treasure. Uh, no. no, you are. You're. You, you know, some people come along every so often and you say, here is something we need to, we need to cup it in our hands and say, here's a treasure here. I've discovered this on the beach, this beautiful stone, this beautiful thing that exists only one only. There'll be others coming along that came along that will come along. But right now, it's Ben Folds, American genius. Yeah. <laughs> wow. There you go, well, Ben Folds. We're we're gonna get we're gonna be in trouble soon because we're just gonna send this mutual admiration back and forth. But Keep I, it going. I don't care. I we got all say, I got all the time in the world. It's the opposite of of of, of a rose. Let me say about Bill. Last night I happened to look online to see Henry Rollins' uh, account of our um, of our recording session. No kidding. Uh, no, I haven't. You'll die laughing. It's so funny. Henry's so funny. He, he did this um, spoken, you know, he does his spoken word concerts. And years ago, uh, probably before you guys started going to, uh, it was started doing your, your football dates together. Right. Come over yeah. to your place. Yeah. Um, he, he did a bit on stage, which was recorded for some special about what happened. And I don't know if you remember this, but your friend from Priceline flew down scallops. Do you remember that? No. <laughs> Dude, it's so eccentric. No one else does this. Okay. You had, you had your buddy fly down scallops from Oh, uh, right. North. Yes, at a <laughs> restaurant. Yeah. 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 He, he brought up three bags of scallops something. That's that, right. That he he fished himself. Yes, he scooped the, the he was walking around. <laughs> so, the, the the thing is is while we were recording Dude went deep sea diving for scallops in the morning while we're recording. And by the time Henry landed from, he didn't mention this, but he'd been flying for 52 hours from a USO concert in the Middle East so he could play for the troops. And he showed up with almost no sleep at all. He meets Bill there. He meets me there at the studio. We start to record. And then Bill says, we've got a break for dinner. Because my friend just flew down from the eastern seaboard with fish with scallops that he caught himself. <laughs> wow! And, and, and all and that, that guy, that guy was—he loved women, and and he couldn't tear himself away from women. So he's in he's in Central Park on a bike, and a beautiful blonde goes by on a bike, and he turns around quickly and he chases her. He falls off his bike. He lands on his head. He's taken to a hospital. 
and he never recovers. He dies in the hospital chasing oh a girl. Oh my God! He is that like the wildest thing you've ever heard? Wow! Get, this is like, the same cat that I met. Same guy. He died. Oh my God! He I died by a blow on the head, trying to find that blonde. Man, is that ironic? Wow! But there I you mean, are eating the scallops. And there we are eating the scallops. And he's right dead. Up. And he had he had taken me scallop hunting when I I was up there for something or other, and we're walking around waiting, using a broom, picking up scallops, using a scallop knife, and taking off a little tiny scallop and putting it in the. They are incredible. Wow. So uh, I guess the scallops. Anyway, yeah. The scallops. scallops made, I wonder if they were making music like the whales make the music, you know, all together. Well, you got to know that they do. They well, they got their little. They've got their little clappers. Surely that little. <laughs> That's the there's a rhythm, eh? So the scallops all are going scallops doing rhythmic scallop things. Oh yeah, it's, it's the famous scallop backbeat. Everyone knows about that. It's a scalloping, like yeah. Uh, um, well, you mentioned um, uh, Mr. Shatner. You mentioned there's some weird instrumentation, bassoons and stuff. Is was in, in this Kennedy Center thing? Is is the idea to is that like to create like no, another, no, otherworldly thing? Well, no, it's a it's an attempt. I was asked uh, the the camera crew that's going to film it ultimately said, "What do you would would you like for an opening?" And and I thought, well, you know all these weird instruments that the opening of the show might be close-ups of as the musicians are tuning up and uh, there are all these weird shapes that we uh, that only Ben Folds knows what they do uh you know the giant drums timpanis bassoons weird shaped instruments I mean whoever thought of a French horn with all its circles and things and and apparently the most difficult instrument in the in the orchestra is a French horn. Well, why? Why not just you know? <laughs> who came so up with that to begin with? Who came up with that? That's my idea of an opening of weird music. Is weird music right. is everywhere. You're right. No, you know you're you're you are right. And each one of those is its own evolution along its own path. One of the greatest books on music, in my opinion, ever written was by uh, Rimsky Korsakov. Uh, late 19th century Russian composer. And he spent most of his life writing about how the instruments evolved for the orchestra. And he couldn't accomplish it because it was gonna be too long, too many volumes. So he changed gears and he just wrote about orchestration itself. But, but he, he would have thought that Bill was exactly right about this. He, he was fascinated with the evolution of all these instruments. I think the French horn probably came like from the Ophiclide or something like that. Wow. Dude. And then, so in between this instrumentation, uh, Mr. Shatner, it's, is it, it your lyrics? Is is it you on stage? Is it like spoken word kind of a thing? Yes. Or are you singing? I, I push back on <laughs> spoken word okay. because that be that's poetry, right. and this has a, um, a vast element of music added to it. And there's a poem or a lyric called uh, "Are You the Bayou." So a bayou, like in Louisiana, has a stillness to it and a beauty, but lurking underneath that stillness are sticks and snakes. And so you could liken it to a human being, like, look at that beautiful girl, and then there's something evil underneath. So there's a song called, Are You the Bayou? Ah. And, 
and and there's a musicality to the are you the bayou there's something and and then so the orchestration and it and the orchestration's uh, basically a um, a uh, 70 piece orchestra playing uh, the funeral march in uh, in new orleans <laughs> so there's the surface of the of the poem and the music underneath and yet it's the word but it's music i i, I kind of share um uh, bill's sentiment about the spoken word thing i think that i think that cans it a little too much you imagine a guy playing bongos with the in a in a in a coffee shop or something bill actually interestingly is somewhere between singing and speaking <coughs> and i know that from recording him that um if it was uh, quote spoken word, you could pretty much edit anything he said over anything that was being played. They would be uh, coincidental collisionary sort of uh, uh, pieces that sort of play parallel to each other. In Bill's case, I found that I could not edit him or move him front or back because even though it sounded like he was just speaking, <clears throat> he has a rhythmic sense. And he's, he's, he's had a relationship with music since forever since he made his first record in the 60s and it's a very musical record yeah. um so he's been making music since before i was born mm -hmm. uh and, and it is musical and so i don't know what we're going to call it but it is somewhere it is it's music it's it's symphonic yeah. music i think the closest thing that i could compare it to would be uh lincoln portrait uh so lincoln portrait uh, uh by aaron copeland and uh many fame i bet you bill have you ever done lincoln yeah, 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 yeah. And, and Peter and the Wolf and all those things. He's done it yeah. all. It's more, it's closer to that lineage than, okay. than anything. So it transcends mere spoken word into something elevated musical. Uh, I, I'd like to think that. That's yeah. my hope think? that you'll think that when you hear it. Awesome. Well, you mentioned earlier, we have, before we hop off here, we do have to mention the, you know, what, what you meant, what you, you alluded to earlier that some of these lyrics are inspired by, you know, your, your famous blue origin trip, you know, the whole Jeff Bezos outfit up into space last October, I guess you became the, was it the old, are you the oldest to go in space still? I, still? I hate that phrase. I mean, <laughs> I, every so often somebody says you're the oldest guy went in space and they applaud. Now they're, what are you applauding? <laughs> applauding my age? That's, uh, I had nothing to do with it. Right. Yeah. Well, this, I want to know. I mean, it's almost impossible to even put into words, let alone a, a radio soundbite. But just what is it like getting up there and you turn around and you see something that was a blue sky is suddenly smaller than your thumbnail? He's going to tell you with the orchestra. That's the only way you can do you this. You have to come out and you have to see it to see it. <laughs> I specifically address that question in So Fragile, So Blue. And the orchestra addresses it musically. Wow. Well, was it, 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 did I also read, didn't Gene Roddenberry's, didn't they send his ashes into space too? Like, um, uh, I don't think it was his, it was uh, one of the actors went up there. And I think the, I think uh, this might be apocryphal. I think the rocket crashed and his, and his ashes came back down to earth somewhere and really? they couldn't find them. As if really uh, ironic. Yeah. Something oh, okay. really, really weird. I um, idea. one of the songs, uh, one of the six songs is uh what to do with uh, those uh with your body when you die ah. uh and uh i i i believe we haven't rehearsed it but i believe uh um ben is going to accompany me on the piano for that song the title of the song is i want to be a tree and it's mm. and on the piano the piano used to be a tree oh, perfect. <laughs> that's perfect Full it, circle. It, was a would, it was a would be <laughs> <laughs> 
You brought it full circle. <laughs> Mr. Shatner, thank you pleasure. so thank you so much for, for doing this. And wow, yeah, he- hearing you and Ben go back and forth is, is amazing. I could ju- I'm just sitting back just soaking it all oh, in. It was lovely. Uh, I, I love talking to him. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's uh Friday night, April 29th at nine o'clock at uh Kennedy Center. Come and see it. Yeah, to hear all those instruments with the NSO and all the all the pieces working in unison, it, yeah. it'll be it'll truly be the needs of the many outweighing the needs of the few on stage. I, I hope so. Take care but of yourself. Look thanks so to much that. for doing this. Take care, my dear. I, I will see you in a few days, huh? All right, we'll see you in DC. Yep. <laughs> bye bye. I also previously spoke to Shatner when he came to AwesomeCon in DC in 2015, sharing memories of the late Leonard Nimoy and his thoughts on J.J. Abrams' Star Trek reboot. Thanks for coming on WTOP. Well, it's a pleasure. I mean, you're the number one radio station in DC. And how did you know that? I mean, everyone here knows it. It says it on this piece of paper that's looking at me. (laughs) (laughs) It's the truth, I assure you. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm glad to be not only with you, but on the number one radio station. So, AwesomeCon, it should be awesome. Have you ever done AwesomeCon before, or is this your first time? No, no, no. I haven't, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Washington is one of the great cities. Uh, I've been there several times uh, sightseeing or one thing or another. But this will be uh, on stage. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so what can we expect? You'll be on stage. Will you be doing sort of a routine? Will there be autograph no, sessions? No, no, or how no. does that... <laughs> a routine. <laughs> right. My stand-up. Uh... <laughs> hey, man, if anyone can do it, you can. <laughs> uh, well, uh, no, I, I, autographs, pictures, and then I get up on stage, and, and, we, and I, I talk to the audience, and we have a great time. And um, uh, the, the, maybe the purest form of enjoyment I get out of going to a, a, a Comic Con is um, is uh, uh, the time I spend on stage uh, with the audience. We connect, and uh, they tell me what they want to hear, and I tell them what I want them to hear, and we have a a, a time together. Exactly. I mean, you do similar events every year, um, but this year will probably be a little bit extra special. It's been an emotional, what, I guess, three months. Uh, You lost your your friend Leonard Nimoy about three months ago. uh, It's it's something to lose a guy you've known uh, 50 years, uh, shared so much uh, uh, time, but not just time, pressured time, time that was uh, filled with... uh, uh, dire consequences of a bad script or an ugly director or uh, something that went wrong, uh, uh, and of course all the good things, uh, the successes, and and then all the laughs that Leonard and I shared on stage and at at dinners and at home. So it's it's a real hunk out of your life. A chunk is eliminated out of your life. I I, I have missed him uh, from the moment he left and. Uh, and will continue to do so. Absolutely, and in in a way, you're you know you're lucky to have you know you guys frozen in time on, on screen so much, so often. Well, uh, it's strangely that you should say that. I was someplace last, this past weekend, and getting uh, uh, getting up, and getting ready in the morning, and somehow I was on a station where they were playing uh, one of the Star Trek movies that J.J. Abrams directed, yeah. and on the screen appeared Leonard, <laughs> uh, Latter Day Leonard. Uh, uh, and I, I, uh, I'd had a line, I'd seen the film before, of course, but I had a line for him in which I said, you know, you're old when you go back in time and you're still old. <laughs> and, uh, and it came to mind that I got a big laugh from him on that line. 
as I was watching him frozen in time that morning, uh, Saturday, uh, this uh, Saturday morning, <laughs> I saw him. It was like a, a ghostly presence. It must be very strange for friends and relatives of uh, actors who have film on screen that suddenly they come on screen as a screen as a child, maybe as a younger man, right. or even as a, an old man in the last uh, of, of their years, and suddenly they appear on screen as they were when you last remember them. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird, but it's part of the magic and beauty of it, I suppose. Uh, are, you mentioned the new films. Um, uh, are you happy with the, the direction it's going, or have you enjoyed watching you know, Chris Pine, uh, Kirk yeah, Al? I, he's <laughs> wonderful. Chris Pine's wonderful, wonderful actor, wonderful-looking guy. Uh, J.J., I think, has got a hold of, uh, of the secret of making... Uh, it, uh, Star Trek, a popular success. Uh, it's a ride. He directs so well uh, in these action sequences, and and you go along with the ride, the, the Star Trek ride, and uh, and it's borne out by the fact that his box office far exceeds any of the movies that I was in. <laughs> yeah, well, it's adjusted for inflation. I don't know about all that, but uh, uh, is... <laughs> inflation both currency and ego. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I don't know if they track it like that. We, they should. Uh, <laughs> is it hard to believe for you that? I mean, I guess next year will be 50th anniversary, right? We're, the TV's... we're planning things for the 50th anniversary. No, it's unimaginable. A blink of an eye. I, I looked around and uh, I was Captain Kirk, and the next time I looked. I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> you you always will be, my friend. Always oh, will be. Thank you. What what do you guys have you said you're planning on planning well, stuff? Well, I'm I'm trying to devise a show for the 50th anniversary. So, I uh, got lots of talks on on that. When I'm ready, I'll, I'll call you and let you know. <laughs> <laughs> we, we'll appreciate the update. Um, you said it went by like a blink in the eye. Um, yeah. uh, can you remember just before? I mean, this is obviously your, your major career role. Can you remember just before 66? I mean, you were doing Alfred Hitchcock Presents and Twilight Zone and Judgment at Nuremberg with all those big actors frozen yeah, in no, time. I was, I was doing quite well. Uh, I was uh, starring on Broadway and movies. And I was going uh, going along. Um so, uh, yes, I, I do remember uh, prior. I remember getting a phone call saying, uh, come on and uh, take a look at this pilot that we've made uh, called Star Trek that we uh, that NBC didn't buy, but they said recast it. We'd like you to do the role of the captain. And I went to see the pilot, and uh, it was very good. I was enthralled, and I said, yeah, I'll do this. How do you think all that early work um, on, you know, Broadway, Shakespeare, and then and then doing, you know, plays like A Shot in the Dark, and then the TV programs we we mentioned, uh, and even Judgment Nuremberg? How much, how did that help you cut your teeth, and you know, so you were ready by the time this big career role happened? Well, I I I'm Canadian, and I'd been in Canadian, I, I'd been acting all my life in amateur theater in in Montreal for uh, from a very young age on. And then the college stuff uh, that I did a lot of, and while I was doing the college stuff, I was doing uh, semi-professional uh, theater. And then, uh, when I graduated uh, university there, I spent four, three, four years in Canada doing repertory and stock and uh, festivals. Uh, so I was a seasoned theater actor. Uh, by the dint of all this work long before I came to the United States. So uh, I 
sharpened my teeth uh, in Canada on doing a play a week, uh, just about for five years. They're very sharp teeth at that point. Um, so, I mean, bring just bringing it full circle back to to Awesome Con, which you know celebrates pop culture in many many facets. Um, for even folks that may not even know you as the Star Trek, as hard as it is to believe, everything you do in pop culture seems to turn to gold. Whether it's you know the practice or Boston Legal on TV or Tech War novels or Brad Paisley music video or you know and any number of things, you seem to just kind of have bring this uh, you know good natured spirit that makes makes you kind of a lovable figure no matter what medium. Um, my personal favorite um, is you with the laughing gas on the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you, how well do you remember that one? I do, uh, because of Will. Uh, yeah, well, you know, it's just uh, something's there, and, and it sounds like fun, and I'll go have some fun doing it and trying to do it well, and if it's for laughs, try and get a laugh. Uh, I just sort of blunder around, and I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a plan. <laughs> I keep hearing about people who have plans. You know, they're upward mobility and downward, and that's a sideways move. I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> Maybe the plan's already written for you. And you just... Well, that's the point. I mean, if you think you have control of your life, you're sadly mistaken. That truth doesn't seem to occur to many people until too late. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, at least on your near-term plan, we can plan on seeing you at AwesomeCon. So third... well done, Jason. Yeah, exactly. you like that little segue? Yeah, I loved it. Uh, and I'll be there, and I'll be looking for your listening audience and uh, and hoping that uh, we can connect. Absolutely. And, um, you know, seeing as we are the number one station in, in D.C., do you mind giving us a little, you know, WTOP, The Final Frontier? This is WTOP, FM, The Final Frontier. We spoke again in 2016 when Shatner came to D.C.'s Warner Theater. Jason, what a pleasure to talk to you. Mr. Shatner, thanks for talking to us again. You might not even remember, but we talked to you. Uh, you came for Awesome Con, and uh, you, you joined us, like, I guess it was last summer. Well, so. it, it's been a year too long. I'm glad we've, we've covered that brief period of time. <laughs> Nothing much has happened to me. What about you? Uh, lots of stuff, yeah, lots of stuff. But, you know, we missed you, and I'm sure you missed us, too. It's okay. I did, indeed, and, and I'm going to be... Uh, at the Warner Theater, and I hope you'll be there, Jason. I want to get into the show because it sounds hilarious and awesome. But before we do, seeing as this is D.C. and the football, our football team just got knocked out, Kirk Cousins has been called Captain Kirk all season. And, and, I've, I been wanted... called, and I've been called Captain Cousins. <laughs> Are it's you... the strangest metamorphosis. Man. And is Cousins good or what? They really turned it on there in the last They time. turned it on. Yes, sir. That's great. Too bad I'm I'm uh, I'm for the old man at the Broncos, uh, uh, but that's uh, another thing. Well, we we'll we'll always have Shanahan. That'll be our common our right. Common. And I can't believe that the Rams are coming to Los Angeles. Did you hear the news today? Yeah, I heard the news today. Oh boy, yeah, I heard it. I heard. It. <laughs> <laughs> but do you uh, any any words of advice on how to be a better Captain Kirk going into season two? Yes, uh, press a lot of weight, uh, do squats. And do aerobics, and then jump up and down for 15 minutes. Is that what you did on the uh, on the Enterprise? No, <laughs> I, I lay down a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Tell Kirk Cousins to lay down and rest. Awesome. Well, hopefully your little uh, Vulcan salute will be for victory next year for us. Uh, are you going to weave try to weave that into your DC show here at Warner? <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. 
I'm liable to be stoned. Uh, no, no, you know, like, uh, no, I mean, people will throw stones at me. I don't mean stone, stone. I mean throw stones. Double meanings. Double meaning. I should have chosen another word now that you've got a hold of it. Um, no, I am going to do my Broadway show. I got great notices and has been doing so well with audiences all across the country and all across Canada and all across Australia as well. Uh, over a period of time, I've toured and uh, it's been very successful. The audience reaction is tremendous, and it is awesome and and hilarious, as you pointed out. It is those things. You know, the show is about saying yes to life. It's an affirmation. It's about passion. It's about about the things that we should be doing in our lives. Uh, and I'm giving you some examples. And and the things I talk about are like lowland gorillas. And then I talk about motorcycles. And then I I talk <laughs> about music and comedy and love and hate and Star Trek and and all those kinds of things. I, I have a variety of things I talk about, but I talk about them. But they're all about passions and about things that we should do and can do and what I've done. So if we, if our listeners are hearing this and they show up, they, even if they show up looking for laughs, they'll laugh but also get a little uh, take on life, the Shatner model in life here. All right. There you go. Uh, uh, they'll be entertained for the entire length of time, I promise you. All right. Now, supposedly this thing, uh, your, your act includes anecdotes, songs, and jokes, but what are some of the anecdotes you might... The anecdotes are about my mother uh, uh, trying to encourage me and how funny she was and how what my reaction was. Or a radio producer uh, 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 giving me the part of... Uh, of the Jewish father, and I tell my mother, I got the part of the Jewish father. My mother grabbed me and says, you tell that producer you want a speaking part. <laughs> that's, that's the kind of thing <clears throat> that happens. So it's from my life, and it's true, uh, but they're funny. Uh, and then at the end, uh, uh, Brad Paisley wrote a song for me in an album that I did called uh, has been, and I do a song from uh, from has been, but mostly it's like I'm talking to you, and I'm keeping you engaged. I engage the audience, and I never let go. And it's a moment in the theater that's very, very unusual. And the uh, the, the the individual, the people coming to the theater, will have, I think, a unique experience with me. Definitely. And you mentioned uh, Brad Paisley. Didn't you previously, before this song, didn't you previously appear in one of his videos? I think it was online. I did. Uh, yeah. Over the years, Brad and I have become uh, good friends, and we help each other out in, in various ways. Like right now, I need an entertainer, a Western uh, singer for my uh, charity show, which is in June. And uh, everybody's reluctant to commit because that's when they, they go on tour in the summertime. So I'm, I've enlisted Brad to find me somebody he knows that will uh, sing for, uh, uh, for charity. And in addition to Paisley, you also recorded Seeking Major Tom, uh, which has, you know, now has David Bowie. Uh, I know. <laughs> but, um... and, and, and that's an album that, that uh, did very well. Should, uh, people should take a look at it. Uh, my version of of Seeking Major Tom. Yeah, you also had songs by U2, Sinatra, Queen, Pink Floyd, the whole gamut on that yeah. on that album. I I did a a an album with uh, that had cover songs from space. It was a, a, a the the concept was Seeking Major Tom, and in Seeking Major Tom, who jumps out of the <laughs> spaceship, I'm leaving. He says in the lyrics. <laughs> 
And where does he find himself in that? We go find Major Tom in space. Were you a big Bowie fan? Is that why you named it that, or just fitting? Uh, I, I took his song. Yes, I was a big Bowie fan. He was he was incredible. In fact, I was watching last night. They had a, a documentary on. I was watching it. Just remembered uh, how how wonderful he was. What a singer he was! My God, yeah. what a dramatic voice he had. And speaking of uh, people we've lost, I guess it's been all, has it been a year, almost a year since Leonard Nimoy. You still miss him to this day? Yes, indeed. And I've got a book called Leonard coming out in uh, about three or four weeks. Uh, Kirkus Review has already given it a rave, and uh, I think it's going to be uh, wonderfully received. Leonard, my 50-year friendship with a remarkable man, and I talk about uh, my, I talk about friendship in general and how difficult it is for many men, myself included, to make friends due to a number of circumstances. Women seem to do it more easily, whether it's cultural or, 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 uh, uh, or, or uh, genetic, I don't know. But uh, for me, Leonard was that brother, that friend, and, uh, and to lose him is a severe loss. What are some of those reasons, you think? I mean, you know, you hear of guys going out, you know, hanging out all the time. But what, right. why do you, you think it guys is? Hang out, guys hang out all the time and have a beer. But is that a great friend? I, I don't right. know. Right. What about what do you think? No, I think usually you're, if you think about it, there's a lot of those folks in your life where you, the, the hang out, grab a beer type. But you're right. There's there's only there's a rare few where you you know you can count on. And, and what are the you know what is the definition? Is it a guy you can go to and say I'm in trouble, I need your help, and he and he drops everything and does it? A lot of people, myself included, won't drop everything. You can't, you know. But yeah. you might for a close relative, your father, your mother, your sister, your brother, you might do that. Do you have a friend that enters into that category? That, uh, yeah, William uh, Shatner. There you go. I'd help you anywhere. <laughs> well, what do you think it was that you know made Leonard that for you? You know why? Well, why did you guys? Buy well, it? when you do a show, when you do a play, a movie, or a television series, you're thrust into each other's company for the longest time, eighteen hours a day, and and you develop friendships, you develop a relationship, and and you're fighting a war, so you're you're buddies like buddies are in war. Mm-hmm. The show is canceled. One way, the play, the movie, the, the the series, and and that best friend forever goes off to another job, as you do, or somewhere, and you lose contact with each other because the show is over. In Leonard's case, we were thrust into each other's company, into each other's company by the fact that we made uh, six movies together, mm-hmm. and then we did a lot of uh, personal appearances together. So suddenly, instead of losing contact, I'm in closer contact with him than ever before, and that evolved into uh, the friendship I, I talk about in the book Leonard, which will be out in a couple of weeks. And we've seen a bit of a um, a resurgence in, uh, you know, we're talking about you and Spock, but, you know, we've seen a resurgence thanks largely thanks to J.J. Abrams with the new Star Trek, and then obviously Star Wars is just dominating the box office right yep. and left. Um, what's your take on sort of, uh, you know, not just not just your the Star Trek uh, re- reboot, but also Star Wars and just the hunger of sci-fi fans of a new generation? Sci-fi... Uh, through the imagination of the authors, t- tries to answer uh, inexplicable questions. Are there UFOs? Are life after death? Uh, beings on other planets? All the stuff we can't answer. An imaginative writer 
uh, tries to answer it, and and it evokes our imagination. So we we take it on faith. We take it uh, as though uh, it were mythology, and uh, and and indulge in that mythology. That's the secret behind uh, uh, science fiction. It's why I I uh, find myself writing science fiction and and uh, and loving reading it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll have sci- not just sci-fi fans, but a bunch of all c- fans of all stripes showing up to, to Warner Theater here. If they want to be entertained uh, in a unique fashion and have a wonderful evening with me, come to uh, the Warner Theater. Is this your first time playing Warner Theater? I believe so. Uh, I believe so. Usually what happens is I come into town, they drive me to the to the. Uh, uh, back uh, door entrance I get into the dressing room I get dressed and I go on stage mm-hmm. I do a sound check so I look the theater over and then I go on stage and then I get and like on this tour that I'm doing I leave the theater I get in a car and I may very well be driving to the next venue in a couple of places because I'm doing 13 cities a couple of places I've rented a car and uh, Lucky Dave uh, Memory and I uh, he's running the show backstage and I get in the car, and we drive to the next venue. The whole thing on touring is not the show. It's getting to the venue. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Well, speaking of getting to the venue, driving in the car, and everything else, maybe our town's quarterback will hear this interview and show up to Warner Theater and be in the audience. I he- admire Kirk Cousins. I wish he would come. <laughs> From one Captain Kirk to another. Exactly. All right, Mr. Shatner, thank you so much. You're Jason, generous with your time. a pleasure to talk to you. I hope you'll be at the theater. All right, yeah, we'll see you there. Bye-bye. Everybody, William Shatner on WTOP. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.